Hi, travelers. You can listen to us on your travels on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and more. Make sure you check out our link tree in the description of this episode where you can find the links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter accounts. Okay, today is Saturday, September 23rd. Thursday night football, Justin, Giants, 49ers. Giants kept it pretty close uh, up until halftime, even up until the third quarter, but then 49ers were able to run away with it just as we predicted. Uh, great show today, though, real fast. Uh, Maria Soreo from RPV TV in Los Angeles, uh, recurring guest, comes back on, talk all things uh, LA sports uh, right now, relevant LA sports. We've got the Chargers, miserable season going on right now, the Rams. Uh, exceeding expectations uh we're getting into the dodgers heading into october and then uh just talk about the angels and shohei otane mess that they have in anaheim right now as well zach can't make it uh for this little intro right here uh we're gonna do of course like we always do on saturday our predictions for the nfl week uh coming up in just a bit with him but justin i did want to do a quick thursday night football pre uh recap i mean with you what was your overall impression from the game i mean there's not really much to take out of it my biggest thing is i think the scoreboard didn't even tell the whole story i think the 49ers played even better than what the score even shows uh giants couldn't do anything on offense 49ers defense just showed up again completely just stopped anything the uh you know new york could do um yeah stat sheet definitely doesn't show uh the full picture the eye test is definitely where you want to focus on in this game and 49ers do look like the best team in football right now they do and the niners right now have the best record at three and oh obviously with everybody else waiting to play in week three but brock purdy has kind of ascended from a game manager into a starting quarterback so far for the Niners. Pretty competent, maybe even a little more than competent for the Niners as they just, not just with the scoreboard, they, they destroyed the Giants. While the Giants did keep it close up until the fourth quarter, uh, the Niners just ran away with it from there. And as we said, they were going to win by double digits in this game. Yeah, my prediction was 49ers would go up early uh, and then the Giants would never be able to kind of come back wasn't really right on that exactly. Like I said, this was this was a game on paper anyhow. Up until the third quarter, uh, 49ers did end up you know taking that sizable lead, and then the Giants' offense definitely was not able to keep up. Daniel Jones only 137 yards, uh, QB rating of 41.6, pretty abysmal. Uh, definitely did not have his best night. Brock Purdy, 310 passing yards, 25 for 37. Pretty good game for him. One other storyline before we move on to our predictions, NFL Week 3. Uh, Trayvon Diggs, out for the Cowboys. Huge blow for them. Uh, this year, over two games, he has four tackles, one forced fumble. Is this going to, I mean, next man up mentality, obviously, Justin, but how much do you think this is going to have an impact on uh, the Cowboys' defense going forward in this season? They could make a move. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule out them trading for somebody like Patrick Sertan from the Broncos. That would be a very big replacement there. But it's next man up again, and obviously, this is a very catastrophic loss for the Cowboys this season, having not to lose a game yet, and they're probably going to. They're probably going to run away with it this weekend against the Cardinals. I mean, their schedule has been 
pretty easy so far. I mean, beating the Giants, who have scored six points in the first half of all all season, and basically they're, I mean, they're they're one and two, winning last week on the road at Arizona. But and the Jets without Aaron Rodgers, the Cardinals, pretty pretty light start for the Cowboys this season. But Trayvon Diggs, that's a big loss for them in that secondary, in that side of the ball on defense, which has been playing their heads off. I mean, they've just been playing great on defense, probably a top three defense, top five, somewhere in there in the league so far, which is a big, big loss to lose Trayvon Diggs. Only allowed 10 points so far uh, this whole year. Cowboys, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they've allowed only 193 uh, yards per game. They also lead the league in sacks at 10 uh, turnovers. They lead the league in at seven. You know, they are, they already have um, a, such a good uh, defensive lineup already that I think it should be next man up in county. And I think the Cowboys will be, will be just fine. Good game to kind of go back to uh, Cardinals coming up in week three. Uh, the easiest game they've had so far, they have played the Jets last week, and then in week one, they uh, we know that they played the Giants and blew the Giants out 40 to nothing. Patriots week four coming up, and then we have a primetime Sunday night game against the 49ers in week five. That's probably going to be their biggest test so far, especially considering the fact that when they played the Jets in week two, Aaron Rodgers was not playing. Um, yeah, I'm ex- that's the game I'm really excited to see because Giants, obviously not a good team. Week one, Jets, no Aaron Rodgers. Cardinals are terrible. Patriots uh, might be a tough, tough game for them. But the 49ers is where we're going to really see where the, where the Cowboys, uh, what they're made of going forward in the season. Let's get on to our, uh, like we always do on our Saturday show, our uh, predictions for every other game coming up in week three of the NFL. We're going to do the closest game, as we always do, most intriguing storyline, shootout of the week, snoozer of the week. We'll give our survivor pick as well. Uh, a lot of good things coming up. And, uh, yeah, let, let's uh, let's switch it back to us and talk some more NFL. NFL preview, guys, like we always do, similar to college on our Thursday show. We're going to start with the closest game. Who we think the closest game this week is going to be in the NFL. I'll get to start us off here. I'll start us off here. I'm going to do the Falcons and Lions. Not only the closest game, this is the most excited game of the week for me. Uh, two teams that are two up-and-coming teams, excuse me, Falcons a lot better than they uh, people thought they were going to be this year. Lions finally have expectations on them. Great win against Kansas City in week uh, uh, week one, and then obviously played very well in week two, but just weren't able to come away with the victory. Desmond Ritter has been playing really, really well uh, for the Falcons. Run game for the Falcons has been absolutely amazing. Uh, B. John Robinson, Tyler Agier, uh, you know Desmond Ritter, uh, also has a you know been rushing amazingly as well. So Lions, key to them, keep the keep the Falcons off the run game. Make Desmond Ritter throw the ball more. Take him out of that comfort zone of being a uh, just a manager, but make him be more dynamic and make him actually be uh, a game changer, not just a game manager. But I'm excited to see if the Lions come back from their loss last weekend, and I'm excited to see that the Falcons continue this uh, success that they've had uh, beginning of the year so far. Uh, Zach, I'll start with you, though. Who's your uh, your closest game of the week for NFL Week 3? Yeah, my closest game of the week is <clears throat> going to be Chargers-Vikings. This feels destined to be a wacky game, doesn't it? These are two teams that pl- always play close games. 
They're both 0-2. They're both desperate. Kirk Cousins, Justin Herbert, two of the best quarterbacks in the league. And nobody played more close games last year than the Vikings. But you know who played the second most close games last year? The Chargers. So, of course, this is going to be a field goal game. This is going to be one of those games that everybody's going to overreact to. This could be uh, Brandon Staley. If he loses this game, it's going to be a bad step in his direction. And for Kirk Cousins needing to get off the schneid, winner of this game uh, has a chance to redeem their season. The loser drops to 0-3, and their season's probably over. So this feels destined to be like a 30-27 to game that's decided by a field goal. Justin, how about you? Uh, what's your most intriguing game, or closest game, excuse me, this week? Closest game I have is the Saints and the Packers at Lambeau Field. The Saints, very close game on Monday night, very sloppy win against the Panthers. But the Packers, impressive start. And Jordan Love is going to make his home debut against the Saints. I think the Packers have a shot to win this game at home and upset the Saints. Not like the Saints are, you know, that strong of a 2-0 team. But this is a very interesting game. This could be a very this is going to be a very close game at Lambeau Field at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Let's move on to most intriguing storylines. I wasn't my my most intriguing storyline. I wasn't sure if this should be the snoozer of the week or my um, you know one I want to be most intrigued by. You know, on the going outside of the, outside the lines a little bit. I am going to go with um, Zach Wilson this weekend. Um, I don't. I mean, this is my last chance for Zach Wilson to really show what he can do. Uh, Dallas. He played terribly against Dallas. Only 170 yards. One touchdown. He threw three interceptions, though. Without that Garrett Wilson touchdown he had late in the game, he would have only had 102 yards of total total yardage with zero touchdowns. Uh, they do play, they play the Patriots. Patriots have looked solid offense or defensively. Excuse me. They kept the Eagles to only 25 points, and they kept the Dolphins to only 24 points. Uh, two of the most explosive offenses in the league. They were able to you know hold them down to less than 30 points both games. Wilson's going to really, really struggle this weekend. Like I said, this is the reason it's my most intriguing storyline. This is kind of my last-ditch effort for Wilson. He needs to come out and be at least competent. I don't know if the Jets have to beat the Patriots, but Wilson has to at least come out and play competent football against a really good defense. If he does, I might, you know, people might turn ahead. They might start to think differently about him. I doubt it. But this could this could be really, really ugly for Zach Wilson, and that's why it's so intriguing to me. I'm just – I'm going to – I'm really curious to see how he can hold himself and uh, if he can at least put out a competent performance against uh, arguably one of the best defensive showing teams uh, after week two so far. Uh, Zach, who's your most intriguing storyline? Yeah, that's my storyline as well because it's basically an elimination game. For the Patriots, they drop to 0-3, they're done. If the Jets drop to 1-2, and they're probably done considering the Bills and Dolphins are in that division. Whoever loses this game is pretty much going to be out of the playoff mix. And it would be a shame for the Jets because everywhere outside the quarterback, this is a Super Bowl contending team. And you look at the Patriots, I know a lot of people are frustrated with the direction that they're going right now. They've got a really good defense, but they've lost two very close games against good teams. Is this the week they kind of get off the schneid? They're actually favored on the road in the Meadowlands or in New Jersey. So I I think this is the game to pay attention to. This is the one that's going to create the most storylines no matter which team wins this game. Justin, how about you? Uh, what's your uh, most intriguing game this weekend? I'm actually going to go with the Falcons and the Lions. An intriguing storyline here is how do the Lions respond as a home favorite? Because they did not respond last week against Seattle, losing in overtime. The Falcons 
coming in at 2-0, flying, a bit flying under the radar, but they're off to a good start this year. And the Lions at home as a favorite, it's not, it's not great. Dan Campbell plays the underdog role very, very well. But let's really, but but let's see once again as the Lions are the favorite at home by three and a half against the Falcons. Yeah, Lions. I mean, you, you many argue that Lions should have even won last weekend in the o- overtime uh, loss against the Seahawks. Aiden Hutchinson, Aiden Hutcherson was definitely held, uh, you know, on his pass rush against Geno Smith, which obviously that pass led to you know the game-winning touchdown to, to lock it to, to win the game. So Lions, I mean. They arguably should have, should have even won last weekend, and Lions should be two and zero. And this this should be a, uh, two teams that are undefeated facing off again uh, this weekend. I'm still holding Lions as a very very good team. Like I said, they beat Kansas City week one, shouldn't have even lost in week two, and uh, you know it's going to be like I said, interesting to see how they can bounce back from a, from a tough loss. Let's go to surprise of the week, kind of like upset like what team uh dog of the week upset of the week surprise of the week whatever way you want to look at it whatever way you want to say it slice it i'm going to do saints over green bay not really an upset green bay is only a favorite by by two points dominant uh veteran qb uh, qb play excuse me that's what's going to end up winning this game for uh for the saints i am taking the saints over green bay uh jordan love struggled uh against the uh, falcons last week as soon as he went down in the game, uh, he was pretty much lost. Uh, Falcons took a took a lead uh, in the game, and Jordan Love pretty much looked like a different quarterback after that point. Um, and Saints defense, though, uh, very very underrated. In two games, they've only allowed one touchdown so far. Uh, that touchdown was actually against Carolina and Bryce Young, surprisingly, but yeah. Uh, Derek Carr, uh, the veteran QB play, is actually what's going to end up leading this team to a victory on um, on Sunday. And uh, yeah, Jordan Love, I think, definitely has uh, some more work to do, especially when he gets behind. Zach, who is your surprise of the week? I'm going with the Tennessee Titans on the road against the Cleveland Browns. I don't trust the Browns. Deshaun Watson's not playing well, and especially now because you don't have Nick Chubb. I think the Titans' run defense is going to be able to contain Jerome Ford in that running game. And Derrick Henry is always due to have a big game. You know, he's always run well against the Browns. Mike Vrabel going back to his home state in Ohio, coaching uh, the Titans in that game. Ryan Tannehill looked pretty impressive last week, actually. Uh, only four incompletions through two touchdown passes. These are the kind of games the Titans win when nobody expects them to. I think they go on the road against a team that I don't trust right now. I got the Titans in Cleveland defeating the Browns. Justin, how about you? Any upset of the week? Surprise? That is, uh, that's mine too. The Titans over the Browns. I think this is Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. This is his last chance to prove that he's worth that contract. Maybe not his last chance. He might get others, but this is not what Deshaun Watson what the Browns signed up for to trade for Deshaun Watson, all those draft picks and guaranteed money. I think this could be an upset victory for the Titans in Cleveland on Sunday. Let's do shootout of the week. Um, I am going to actually pick the Chargers versus Vikings for my shootout of the week. Currently has the biggest over total of the week. I didn't even know that before I made this pick for my shootout of the week. 53 and a half is the over um, for this game. Like I said, it's the biggest uh, of week three in the NFL for the over under totals. 
Uh, this game is going to have zero defense, I think. Both teams cannot afford to go 0-3. I mean, of course, both teams are winless right now at, at 0-2. Neither the Chargers or the Vikings can afford to be winless going into Week 4. This is not prime time. Kirk Cousins is going to come out, have 350 yards, four touchdowns. Chargers offense obviously has been very, very explosive lately. Eckler is hopeful to play in this game. Uh, Keenan Allen has been amazing. Uh, just their defense has been a problem, and the Vikings' defense has been a problem too. Both take all those things together. This is going to scream uh, the hammer of the over. Very high scoring game, very explosive game, and that's a that's going to be my shootout of the week. Chargers Vikings. Zach, how about you? What's your uh, shootout of the week? That's my shootout as well. Like I mentioned earlier, I think these are two desperate teams, two quarterbacks in need of a big game. So that would be mine. Uh, honorable mention, Falcons-Lions. I think that's a high-scoring game as well. The Lions are very good at, uh, especially indoors, playing games that end 31-28. And I think you could see it happen again here because the Falcons run the ball very well. The Lions don't really stop the run all that well. And Jared Goff in that passing game is always going to have success. So I-, I think those are the two games that stand out as shootouts. Justin, have a shootout of the week? I would say I, we're all in an agreement here with the Chargers and the Vikings, two 0-2 teams. Two good, really talented offenses, especially in the past. But I think this game will be a very close game. Whoever loses this game is going to be 0-3, and they're going to have a tough road ahead, a long season for sure. And the Chargers, it's a must-win for them because Brandon Staley is is probably going to be on the hot seat if he loses this game, as we said. Yeah, Vikings don't have the defensive back end to cover Allen. You know, Mike Williams, Quentin Johnson. It's going to be a lot of touchdowns in that game. Opposite of the spectrum, snoozer of the week. Um, basically, the game that we're saying is definitely going to be the under under lock of the week. I'm going to do Steelers-Raiders, a game that we've already kind of talked about. Steelers' uh, defense is awesome, but their offense is terrible uh jimmy g not playing well either for the raiders uh he's going to struggle majorly against the the steelers defense and like i said the steelers offense isn't going to be able to do anything against the raiders i don't think yeah super super defensive oriented game featured players going to be tj rot tj watt max crosby this is going to be you know over under right now on Fanduel. i I see is 43 i'm i'm definitely taking the under in this game this this screams just a um, very, very ugly game. If you like offense, don't even turn this game on because you'll you'll definitely be disappointed, in my opinion. Zach, what's your uh, snooze? Cowboys Cardinals, maybe the best team in the league against the worst team in the league. This is not going to be a competitive game. Cowboys are favored by 12 on the road. Uh, I don't know if their offense actually has to show up for them to win the game. Their defense might be able to outscore the Cardinals all by themselves. Michael Parsons is going to wreak havoc on Josh Dobbs. This is not going to be much of a game. Dallas is going to go to 3-0. and They're going to roll, and the Cardinals are already thinking about Caleb Williams. This is going to be a snooze fest. Justin, snoozer of the week? I will agree with the both of both of you's. Steelers Raiders, that's a snoozer. That's the Sunday night game. Cardinals Cowboys, I think that's a dominant game. But the Bears and the Chiefs, that's another snoozer. Kansas City at home, one and one. Not off to the best start, but I think this is the week where Mahomes and this offense takes that other step because the Bears are a very disappointing team so far. And Justin Fields is not playing up to what the Bears drafted of it originally. Yeah, I can see Kansas City going up early in that game and, you know, just kind of 
playing the clock at that point. <laughs> I could, I could, much. I could see this game easily, easily being over by the halftime, and then the second half yeah. was mm-hmm. literally just going to be the Kansas City taking the clock down. All right, let's do our favorites of the week, kind of like our survivor poll we started last week. Um, I'm going to pick the Seahawks over the Panthers. I've said it before on the show, last show, I said it even a little bit uh, this show as well. Panthers have been terrible. Bryce Young has been terrible. I mentioned it last show. Uh, Worst QBR in the league, uh, only 146 yards uh, in two games. Uh, Two touchdowns with two interceptions, though. Um, the offensive line, Panthers is terrible. Yeah, Seahawks, I think, are definitely the better team, and this is this is a no-brainer for me. Uh, yeah, I'm picking the Seahawks over the Panthers. Zach, who's your lock of the week? Mine's the Jaguars over the Texans. Jacksonville last week only scored nine points against the Chiefs, but they had four different catches in the end zone where the guys just didn't get both feet down. I think they're going to be able to correct that this week. Calvin Ridley, I think, has a big game. You look at the Texans, they're banged up on the offensive line. C.J. Stroud threw for a lot of yards, but they got behind very quickly. 28-10, never really got themselves back into the game. I think it's a bounce back for the Jags at home. Trevor Lawrence has a big day. Jacksonville over uh, Houston. Justin, any, uh, what's your lock of the week? My lock of the week, just like last week, again this week, is the Miami Dolphins at home against the 0-2 Denver Broncos. This could be the game where Russell Wilson gets benched. I don't know if it's too early, but it could be. This this could be just a fall from grace for Russell Wilson, as, as it has been going to Denver from Seattle. The Broncos going to be oh I think they'll be 0 and 3 and the Dolphins are going to be 3 and 0 that's their first, that's their home opener and I think they're going to have a big day at home against the Denver Broncos. Okay. Let's move on the writers block guys. Uh, Zach, what's your writer's block of the week? So my writer's block of the week is all the NFL power rankings. that mostly are clickbait at this point. We all kind of know who the top teams in the league are, but I, I've seen a couple of rankings have Tampa Bay still 22nd or 23rd, even though they're 2-0. and Like You may think 22nd or 23rd is where they'll end up, but right now this is a 2-0 and team that's beaten the Bears and beaten the Vikings. They should be around the top 15 or so. Power rankings are not supposed to be projections for the long term. They're supposed to be where they're at right now. And that's why the 49ers and the Cowboys are up there. That's why the Dolphins are up there. Like, I don't know if the Dolphins are a top five team in the NFL, but they certainly should be right now. So I, I think it's just a lot of clickbait. People always like to generate a lot of publicity. And, you know, I saw some the other day where, you know, they talked about the Eagles and the Cowboys. They said the Eagles were just trying to figure out uh, new systems and all that kind of stuff, but the 2-0 is 2-0. And then they talk about the Cowboys. Oh, it's Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson. Uh, the Cowboys have been the more dominant team in their two games. Like, come on, 2-0 is 2-0. There's no style points necessary. Like, we're just trying to make up stories at this point. Come on. My writer's block of the week, uh, pardon the interruption, Tony Kornheiser, Pablo Torre, first thing they started talking about with Nick Chubb's injury was the financial financial implications of it. Uh, I, I didn't like that too much. I, I think it's obviously a very devastating injury. Hopefully, it's not a career-ending injury. Hopefully, it's only a season-ending injury. But that was their first instinct was to talk about the financial implications of uh, Nick Chubb's injury, especially with all the offseason talk that was going on with the running backs getting paid. Uh, yeah, just pretty. I just thought it was pretty. Uh, not the best light to look at it. I think we should look at it more as just a shame that he can't play. It's a shame that he can't help the Browns and, you know, kind of uh, 
boost up his stat lines this year and uh, just play the game that he loves. And that they, 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 their immediate instinct was just to make it more about the financial implications of the injury. And I, I don't know, that's just kind of, I just didn't, didn't rub me the, the best way on uh, pardon the interruption uh, yesterday or, or earlier this week, excuse me. Justin, how about you? What's your writer's block of the week? My writer's block of the week is the Jets quarterback rumors. Tom Brady out of retirement? Come on. Ben Roethlisberger also out of retirement? Come on. I mean, why are we, you know, why are we saying Big Ben is going to the Jets? He's retired already. He, he wants to be a Steeler. I mean, he retires a Steeler. He's a Steeler for life as Tom Brady is a Patriot for life, as he said in Foxborough at the Patriots home opener when they were honoring him. I mean, you know, why are we why are we just throwing clickbait out there with the Jets? Yeah, they definitely need a quarterback besides Zach Wilson. But Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, Brady, he's the minority owner of the Raiders, and he's got so much other stuff going on in his life. And and Roethlisberger, I mean, he's you know he's got a podcast and and he's retired as well. I don't think I don't think Ben would be in shape enough to play. Honestly, yeah, no. You, I mean, he was pushing it when he was uh, NFL. I mean, when he actually was playing NFL. I don't. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine. I haven't actually seen Ben Roethlisberger recently, but I can only imagine he's probably not in in playing yeah, shape. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, all right, guys. Great, uh, great preview. Excited for NFL Week Three coming up. Uh, let's get to our interview with Maria Soreo. Chargers, Rams, Dodgers, Shohei Otane. We cover it all with her. Great interview with her coming up. Even get into some Clippers and Lakers and, uh, yeah, NBA and NHL. Right around the corner, preseason starting up a week away. Talk some great things with her. All things LA sports. Great interview. Uh, yeah, so without further ado, let's, let's head to the uh, let's head to Los Angeles and talk some LA sports with Maria. Okay, we now head to the City of Angels and talk to Mar- uh, Maria Soreo from RPV TV in Los Angeles. Uh, Maria, let's start with the Chargers. A lot to get into with uh, LA sports, obviously. Uh, Chargers and Rams both uh, heading into Week 3 NFL. Dodgers on their way to the playoffs, uh, clips the playoffs. And then we got some uh, Shohei Otani news we want to get into, too. Uh, Angels kind of a mess right now as well. Uh, let's start with the Chargers, though. Brandon Staley. Uh <laughs> This yeah. time of the year, there always yeah. seems to be a coach on the hot seat, even if even if it's early in the year. There always seems to be a coach on the hot seat at any given time in the NFL. Brandon Staley is that guy right now. Definitely warranted. Chargers going yes. to. They're kind of like the Mets of uh, NFL. They have such a great lineup, such a great roster, but still 0-2, still winless, and they've been really, really struggling uh, recently. What are the fans saying about the Chargers right now in L.A.? Or are they – calling for Brandon Staley's head or do they do they want to give him maybe a little bit more time to see if he can turn this thing around okay so Brandon Staley he was on the hot seat after the Jacksonville game let's face it last year okay so everybody thought well the you know Chargers got to get rid of him maybe they'll fire him on the plane ride home didn't happen he had one more year left on his contract and the Spanos family they're notorious for not wanting to end contracts early and having to pay coaches out now you know, in Brandon's defense, he is a, a very, very good defensive coordinator. Okay. But as a head coach, I, 
you know, I'm not feeling it, honestly. And he's such a nice guy. But as far as the fans go, they wanted him gone at the end of last season. It didn't happen. So now here we are. They're 0-2. They've got a brand new def- uh, offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore. And, you know, it, it's interesting when we talk about the Chargers, Justin Herbert has gone like this, okay? He needs to elevate his game and go like that. And maybe with Kellen Moore attached, that will happen. But that, like you mentioned in the beginning, this team has way too much talent to be 0-2. And so there they sit, and they've got a game, you know, playing against the Vikings this weekend, and they could very well be 0-3. Yeah, Vikings certainly don't want to go 0-3. It's gonna be it's gonna be a very close game. We we do uh, on our Saturday, sh- you know, on today's show, the Saturday show. We we always do our closest games of the week and. Vikings Chargers is definitely going to be one of those games. Uh, right now, the point spread it's only Vikings favored by one as of right now. Both teams do not want to go zero and three. Vikings right. also have a lot of potential and a lot of um, no. expectations this year. So it's definitely going to you know one of those teams. Unfortunately, will have to go uh, winless going into Week Four. Is there more pressure than ever though on the Chargers just given the contract with Herbert? I mean, you already mentioned him. Uh, I mean, is this just putting even more pressure on Brandon Staley and the Chargers to perform this year? I, I, I imagine the answer is yes, but I'm not sure if, if you want to elaborate elaborate on that at, at all. Yeah, I mean, in football, as you know, there are such a limited amount of games. It's not like baseball where we can say, ah, there's another one, there's another one. In football, we can't do that. And to be 0-2 in this division with Kansas City, it's just, you know that you're up against it already, okay? And if you want to try to get a wild card, I mean, can you believe we're talking about this in week three? But if they go 0-3, I mean, he, he's going to be on the chopping block. Again, I don't know that they would let him go this early in the season as far as talking about Brandon Staley, but something will have to change very quickly because, you know, you can't go 0-3 in the NFL and be considered for a playoff berth. So that's kind of where they are. Like I said, you know, look at their defense. They've got Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack. They've got Derwin James. So they're solid. You look at their offense and their running game has been fantastic with the duo of Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly. So they've got some really good sparks and yet, and and even, even at wide receiver, you know, Mike Williams, who never quite stays healthy. You've got Keenan Allen. Is he too, is he too old? But they have such a good foundation. So what is the problem? That is kind of where everybody throws their hands up in the air and just says, what's going on here? When does Brandon Staley's contract end? This year. This is last year. Okay, so he might be getting fired after after the season, especially with the way things are going. Could be. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure he makes it through the season, though. If they let him go early, though, Maria, who's on the coaching carousel? That's a great question. You know, Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator, he was in Dallas for five years, and he comes over to the Chargers. I think he was out, out of a job for like five minutes, and – Honestly, my feeling is if they let Brandon Staley go, I think they would elevate Kellen Moore immediately. What are the chances of, do you think, the Chargers making the playoffs this year? I mean, 0-2 teams, I think historically 11% of the teams that start 0-2 make the playoffs. I think it's like in the Super Bowl era, if I heard this last night, I think Scott Van Pelt was talking about this on his, on his you know, Sports Center at night after the, after the game on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think it's like in the Super Bowl era, like 560 something teams start after they started 0 3. I think only three of them have ever made the playoffs in the history of those 560 something teams. So that's bad. I mean, if yeah, just they just paid Justin Herbert. Obviously, we just talked about that five years, 262 and a half million dollar extension in July with a lot of guaranteed money, too. You don't think Brandon Staley is going to make it into the year, though. I, I don't think he will. I mean, well, here's the deal. I mean, if you didn't have all of that talent on this team, I would say, well, they're weak here. They're kind of low over here. They don't really have a good core, whatever. But you, when you go down and list the names of these players, now, you know, people will always say to you, well, the players are the ones that play the game, not the coaches. But that's not true. And in that Miami game, I was there at the end, you saw in the first half of that game, they were both actually really competitive. And I think it was a tie at halftime. But toward the end of that game, Chargers got away from their run game. And I almost felt like it was McDaniel versus Staley and not the Chargers versus Miami anymore. And you can't do that. You've got to stick with your game plan. And I don't know, some of these coaches that are just like, ultra competitive we've seen that with McVay and Kyle Shanahan before like you've just got to stick to your game plan and by the end of that game I mean nobody could believe it we're waiting in line to get in the locker room there's five minutes left and the Miami scores a touchdown it's like wait what's going on so I, I think that there's just there's so much question and when you walk into that facility you can tell that everybody is walking on eggshells because those kind of odds like you just brought up you know three teams in a million that, you know, go to the playoffs after starting 0-3. It's not good odds. Yeah, it's it's interesting in the media, too, because even them being 0-2 and going into the Vikings this weekend, people are still I – mean, I hear, you know, ESPN, I hear Fox, uh, you know, I'm reading stuff on The Athletic, too, you know, the major articles. Everyone's still kind of saying, like, Chargers are a lock for the playoffs, which I don't think you can really say that too confidently. It's just the way they're, they're writing about it, the way they're talking about it, it's like – they're still kind of, you know, putting Chargers in that comfortable playoff position. You know, I think because of Justin Herbert, if you didn't have a Justin Herbert, if you didn't have a Joey Bosa, again, if you didn't have these really marquee star players, a Khalil Mack, I mean, you know, you can you can kind of go back and forth on some of these guys. But Justin Herbert, we got to start right there. He is usually in the conversation of top five quarterbacks. Why? Why is he in that conversation? That's my question. Uh, do you think there's any chance? I mean, we talked about Brendan Staley at length already, but do you think there's any chance that they start the season off? Like, if they get eliminated, eliminated in the playoffs pretty early on in the season, I mean, even after like week seven, eight, like not officially eliminated, but pretty much eliminated, do you think there's any chance they're just going to blow, blow the team up? I mean, I guess they can't really with Herbert, right? Not, with, not with, when they're paying him that money. I don't think they're going to, no, I don't think they'll blow, no, they're not going to blow the team up. I think the coaches is what's going to, you know, that's what's going to change because usually the head coach takes it anyway, you know, they'll blame him. And, you know, it's, it's not even so much, I don't know about the blame game so much, but he's going to take the fall. They take the credit and they take the, well, what do they say? Quarterbacks take the credit and coaches take the fall. So there you go. Let's move on to the Rams, unless you have anything else to say about the Chargers. The only thing left mm -hmm. to say about the Chargers is their own, too. So, yeah. Right. Here we go. The Rams are better. The Rams are actually better than people expected them to be. I know that, you know, I, I had other reporters that we were going through the list, and they thought that, you know, they're going to go 0-5 or whatever. It's a very young team. Is Stafford healthy? What are they going to do? And, you know, is McVay going to stay? All that stuff was going on. There was a lot of loose drama, and then – 
Um, they come out and they out of the gate, they beat Seattle. And even though there's a lot of young talent on this team, they have a very they have a very put together team and environment. They, you know, their motto is we not me, and that is very serious. And I think we saw that with the situation with Cam Akers, who's now been traded to Minnesota, who was a very promising running back for them. But something happened with him and McVeigh that McVeigh never ever told us. He just said that he wasn't a good fit for their group. You know, you always kind of have to ask yourself, well, he's a young running back. Why wouldn't he be a good fit? The only thing that I have come up with in talking to other people is he was young. He comes out as a rookie. He wins a Super Bowl. The next year is a complete disaster. Maybe, maybe his head was a little too big. And from the time last year that all that went down and he was benched, we thought everything, we thought they kind of kissed and made up and training camp went well. And then McVeigh comes out and tells us um, Cam Akers isn't playing. So, you know, thankfully, you know, they're not left in the, in the lurch because they got Kyron Williams, who is already got three touchdowns in two day, in two games. So he looks really strong, but that was a very weird situation that happened with Cam Akers. So um, they've got some injuries, you know, obviously Cooper Cup, they want to get him back as soon as possible. Puka Nukawa has been a really nice surprise for them. Um, he's been playing well. And, you know, you still have Aaron Donald on defense. And you, you've got some stalwarts that are still there. And, you know, Matthew Stafford, if they can keep him upright, then he is top five, I think, quarterback in the NFL because, you know, he just is. But you, there's a lot of moving pieces and moving parts. And when your team is super young, you know, you've got to deal with the fact that they're going to make mistakes or, you know, they got some growing pains. But I think they have a, a little bit of a shot. I mean, they were neck and neck with San Francisco in the game last week and then, you know, kind of fell apart in the second half. But they're not going to be as bad as people think they're going to be. Let's go back to Cam Akers. Thank you for explaining, you know, why he left. I mean, I guess it's still kind of a question mark because I was going to ask that. I mean, I don't know why they got rid of him. Um but what I am going to ask you, though, and you might not know the answer to this, but why the Vikings? They got virtually nothing out of this trade. I, I mean, maybe he might was maybe he was just an issue in the locker room. I don't know. They had to just get rid of him, like you were kind of alluding to. But I mean, the Vikings gave up nothing to get him. I mean, they're, they're, you could have maybe went to the Browns, who obviously need somebody now after Chubb went down. I, like, what? Why was it the Vikings the ones they picked to? deal with when there's other teams that may have been able to give more you know the rams are very cagey when it comes to the way that some deals get done and we don't always know the answers to these things but i get the definite impression that they just needed him to go and you're right i was very shocked that it was kind of like these long range draft picks and you would have thought that somebody else would have offered more. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. I mean, the NFL is more careful now. I think about if somebody has a personality conflict or there might be some animosity about bringing them in. Nobody wants a headache, but you know, I, I know that the Rams just said, kept telling us he's not a good fit. He's not a good fit. And they just needed him out of the locker room. Still, it's I just you you would have thought they would have gotten something better. He's not he's definitely not a scrap. No. I mean, swapping six round picks with an additional con, with a conditional six round pick on top of that that's Cam Akers is I think definitely worth more than that. You yeah. mentioned Puka Nakara, uh, rookie is leading the team in uh, yes. 
receiving yards. That's pretty amazing. I mean, what has kind of been his reception for the fans? And what's his, what, what do the fans think his outlook is going going forward in years to come? Well, I mean, he, first of all, he's a fan favorite already. He's very animated. He's a lot of fun. He brings that, you know, that fun and that warmth into the team. And he fits in that locker room. I, I really can't say enough about locker room chemistry. And I know some people kind of like, and throw it out the door. But locker room chemistry is huge. That wide receiver room, I mean, Cooper Cup's not playing, but he is there with those guys every single morning. I think that Cooper Cup gets there at like 4.30 in the morning with Matthew Stafford, like no matter what. And once they get into that wide receiver room, those guys will will just bond together and see what they can do. And I think for Puka, he's just one of those players that has fit right in. I mean, it was such a surprise to see him do that well, because let's face it, you never know what a rookie's going to do when they get on that field the first game. And it was like he had been there for, you know, five years. So he's really exciting and fun. And I think the skies are the limit for him. Let's talk about Monday night football coming up for the Rams. What do you, what's your, what are you thinking about this game? Bengals currently favored by two and a half points. Uh, even at home, uh, if, if they were if they were one and one, they probably would even be a bigger spread. Just but since because they've been having so so many issues early in the season, what do you think about this spread? Do you think it's gonna what What are your take on this game coming up as a little bit of a preview? I think that the Rams can. I think they can beat the the Bengals. I I'm not a huge Bengals fan. In fact, I'm kind of wondering like what they're doing. I'm not really sure, and I think it's gonna be an interesting matchup, but. I think they're going to be, again, more competitive or they're going to get completely blown out. Like, I, I don't have a clue as to what I'm talking about. But I do think that it's going to be a more of a competitive game. And, you know, because of the Super Bowl, it's always going to be a matchup that people want to see, obviously. But I think the Rams have a shot. Like I said, you know, Stafford has got he's got that really really great football quarterback mind. And like Sean McVay will tell us all the time, he can make throws that literally most quarterbacks cannot make. So the one that I would like to see get more involved, and I think if he does this week especially, it'll make a huge difference, is Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson is such a talent. He can catch that long ball. And I think they get Van involved on Monday Night Football. You're going to see, you could absolutely see a win for the Rams. Will the Rams have their hands full in this game if Joe Burrow doesn't play? Yes, they could because you never know when a backup comes in what you're getting. You know, it's kind of like a pitcher in baseball. You got a new guy out there. It's like, uh, you know, we don't really know what we're going to get. So that could be that could be an interesting scenario for sure. My last question before moving on, we're going to talk some Dodgers here in a second. What is the contingency plan for Matt Stafford? I mean, he's, you know, 15th year in the league, yep. 35 years old, definitely not young. What are they doing kind of? you know, long-term lookout, I mean, outlook for the quarterback position for the Rams, because he's not going to be able to play for too much longer. Mm -mm. That's a great question. You know, that's another weird situation actually for the Rams this year, because they had Stetson Bennett and Brett Rippon who played with Denver. And then I'm sure you heard about the situation with Stetson Bennett. We just heard that he was on the unable to play list, not from an injury. And he's just not there. We have no idea what happened. They played him in the preseason. They liked him. I was shocked how much time he got in the preseason. And so now the backup is Brett Rippon. So 
As far as the future goes, I don't think it's going to be Stetson Bennett. And it's a great question because how do you do this? Are you going to get him in free agency? Are you going to do well this season or not do well? If they, here's the kicker. If they are around 500, they're not going to get a top pick at quarterback unless they do trades. And I mean, they just don't have that much to trade. So I don't know what they're going to do. Now, if they don't do well this season, then maybe they have a shot, but it's going to be, it's going to be tenuous at best. And again, if Stafford goes down, they're in trouble. Let's move on to the Dodgers now. Um, currently, uh, they, they did clinch the NL West. They did. Uh, 94 wins uh, at this point. Um, at the, we're recording this on Friday. So 90, 94 win total. 10 games left in the season. Yep. What I mean, it's kind of a weird when you ever whenever you clinch a division, it's kind of a weird position to be in because you don't want to get rusty. You don't want to just, you know, bench a lot of people going into the preseason, especially, you know, having that first round first round bye. So I mean, what I mean, what's the plan for the Dodgers these next uh these next couple weeks heading into October? Well, the Dodgers are still playing with their full core this week and they've got the Giants. They beat them last night, I think 7 to 2. Um they're still playing everybody. Remember last year in the playoffs, they went out very quickly against the Padres because they did have that week off and that did not help them. You know, obviously it helps pitchers to rest, but they lost their momentum and uh, you know, I don't even know how you fix that because we saw that with a few teams last year where they just they lost the momentum going into the playoffs because of that time off. So I think they're going to not rest a lot of guys. They're going to keep playing them through the end of the season. They may pull them out of games if they're way ahead. But for the Dodgers, it's going to be about keeping momentum. And let's face it, this has been such a weird year with, I mean, who would have thought that Clayton Kershaw would be the last man standing? You know, you got the old guy in there who has been the stalwart for that team. But so many of your your pitchers went down. You know, you, you lost Tony Gonsolin for the season, the situation with Julio Urias, and Dustin May is gone. So you've had to rely on kids. They've got Bobby Miller. They've got Emmett Sheehan. And... These guys are playing okay. Um, I mean, I talked to Emmett Sheehan when he came over, and he was actually in Double A and thought he was moving up to Triple A. And his his manager called him in the office. He's like, "Oh, am I am I moving up to Triple A?" And he was like, uh, "No, you're going to Dodger Stadium." So they were just they were kind of at their wits' end. They're like, "We have to have the best pitchers that we have on the farm." And of course, everybody knows the Dodgers have a great farm system. So you know, we got the young kids and. They're playing okay, but they've got the hitters, let's face it. They've got the Freddie Freemans and the Will Smith and, you know, the the Mookie Betts and everybody. I mean, Jason Hayward has revived his career. So as far as hitters go, they're doing well. But, you know, in, in the playoffs especially, it's always going to come down to pitching. And, you know, Atlanta is a mammoth, so we'll see what happens. But... They've got to get through the first round first, and we've got to see if, if they can keep that momentum up. Yeah, currently uh, second-best odds to win the World Series behind the Braves. Uh, they're plus 450. The Braves are plus 250. Been playing really good, though, recently, kind of just picking back and off of what you just said. 7-3 uh, in the last 10 games, 189 run differential. Uh, so they've been playing really well. We had on on they Thursday have. show, we had on Mike Karens. We talked about, because he, co- he covers the Tampa Bay, and, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about the Rays and how the Rays might potentially maybe even get a first round by. And we, we, we talked about this 
concept of is it bad for teams to get that first round by because you look at the last two years uh, for Tampa Bay specifically they, yep. they lost uh, and you know they got the first round by uh, the last two years and then they lost in the first round so that they played so it's kind of an interesting yes. discussion and I want to get your thoughts on that and what you think about that do you do you not like the buy uh, for teams because again you just talked about momentum how how big that is you know and especially in baseball I think it's huge and I had asked Dave Roberts last year I said I walked up to him I said rest or rust what do you do I mean it seems like when you're continually playing you've got that momentum building when you've got that opportunity to stop then again it's great for pitchers I don't think so great for hitters. We, we've even seen guys kind of change over the all-star break, which is just a few days, you know, where they were sort of like on a hitting streak and then they come back and, yeah, they kind of lose it for a few days. So I don't know. I mean, you know how weird baseball is. It's like everything, you know, is is it, they're used to – I would call them like the OCD of sports because they're just so used to doing the same thing every single day. They do it the same way. You know, you hear funny stories about they wear the same T-shirts underneath their uniform. I mean, they're, they're just so used to that every day, same thing, same place. So if it were me, I think I'd rather go in as a wild card. But – they're going to win. They've already won the division. And so they're, you know, you kind of have to play the, 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 the deal that you get. So I don't know what they're going to do. If I were them, I would play. I don't even know if I'd play sim games. I would do something so that those guys have some semblance of a game every other day, something. How's the bullpen looking? I mean, I always ask this with teams heading into the playoffs October because we all know the bullpen needs to be deep in order to make a good playoff run. Dodgers never really seem to have a problem. Just want to kind of confirm that with you. I mean, there's no issues with the bullpen, the pitching staff, the lineup right now. It's It's been a little weird because I would say for the last couple of years, the Dodgers have not had like a, a definite closer, which, you know, it's, it's strange when you talk to baseball people about that. Like, would you rather have a closer? Does it not matter? Closer by committee. But they have been pretty good. I mean, they've got... You know, Bruce Jar Gratterall. Let me go down the list here. They've got Pepio. They've got Joe Kelly back. They've got guys that are really good in that bullpen. And so they've got the talent there. It's just a matter of them playing, having the rest that they need, and then playing to their potential. But they've got the arms. They got the arms in the bullpen. And, you know, I think they'll move guys around. I mean, maybe they use. Bobby Miller, but maybe Gavin Stone goes into the bullpen. You know, maybe some of the starters will go into the bullpen if they can afford it, depending on who they play in the first round and how many games, if they were to win, they beat them in, um, and how many innings these starters can go. That's really the huge question. Let's move on to the Angels. Very disappointing season again for the Angels. Um they a, a, another team that had a lot of expectations officially eliminated from the playoff contention as of right now. Uh, I know it's you know you're you're obviously either a Dodgers fan or an Angels fan. I think most would be Dodgers, but what are the Angels fans kind of saying about this team right now? I mean, it, I mean another season, preseason training camp going into it had a lot of hopes, and like I said, as of right now, they're they're eliminated from playoff. Okay, guys, there are two people on the Angels that the fans care about: Mike Trout. And Shohei Otani. And I can tell you that having attended and covered many Angel games this year, the amount of Japanese fans that have now 
latched onto the angels. You walk in to the front of the stadium and there are massive Otani fans. I think they sell out shirts every couple of weeks. And the situation with Otani has been the weirdest situation that I have ever covered in any sport. And I'm going to give you a little insight. So Otani, his agent dictates who he talks to and what he does. It has been frustrating for the media because we have no opportunity to really get to know him at all. In 20 years of covering a sport, I've never had this. Never. I've never been denied a one-on-one with a local player. And it's not just me. It's everybody. It's it's the the people that actually are the the team's media. It's ESPN. It's MLB Channel. Because they don't want Otani focusing on anything but baseball. It's not normal, okay? It is not normal. Mike Trout, who is the biggest star in the world, he will sit down with anybody anytime. Um, I, I mean, Mookie Betts will. I, I mean, it's just, it's the most bizarre thing. So every six days after he pitched, we would have an opportunity to talk to him. They would give the American media four questions and the Japanese media four questions. That's it. And you have to have it game related because you can't ask the guy after a game, hey, have you ever been to Disneyland? What do you think of Southern California? I mean, we have no knowledge of Shohei Otani because his agent puts the squash on it. So honestly, from a media perspective, it's very frustrating because I think he's probably a very nice guy, but we don't know him. And that's because his agent has just put the bars up and said, nope, nope, sorry. Who does that? I mean, it, it, you want your you want your guys to be out there. You want people to get to know them. That's the whole point of playing sports in the USA. So it has been very weird. I got an email a few days ago that said, Shohei Otani has had a procedure. Didn't say it was Tommy John's. <laughs> Didn't say what kind of a procedure. And he will be ready to play on some team in 2024 as a hitter and 2025 as a pitcher. I emailed the Angels. Did he have Tommy John's? What does this mean? We don't know. This is all we have been told by his agent. Now, does that sound normal to you guys? What's the point of that, though? What, like, what is the point? I, I, I would love an answer. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense to us at all. We're all scratching our heads saying, where are we going with this? I think right now, because he's a free agent, I think his agent... Once and, and he asked us to tell the, the story he was dictating to us when Shohei was pulled from the mound a few weeks ago. He did not speak to us for two weeks. Finally, his agent comes out and does the interview. We're like, where's Shohei? Well, you don't need to talk to Shohei. I'm going to talk to you. I, again, never seen it. It's never happened to me before. He wants to dictate the story for his client. I think that's weird. And it's very, it's, how can you tell a complete story if you can't talk to these players? So do you think Otani just doesn't want to speak to the media or he just wants to, to lay low kind of maybe even, maybe even speak to the media a little bit, but it sounds like it's more of the agent, you know, having a say in this whole thing more than Otani. You know what? I've said this before and I'm going to say it right now. I think he's getting bad advice from his agent. I really do. I think that part of what ingratiates you as a player in the United States is the fans get a chance to know you 
and they get to learn more about you. And the fact that the fans here love him, but they don't really know him. You know, in five years of being at the Angels, we've really not seen him doing a lot of charity work with the team. We don't see him taking batting practice. I think he took it once at the Angels and once at the Dodgers this year. Okay. And we just, we don't have access to him. And I think honestly, Jose Moda, who worked at the Angels as a broadcaster and now is at the Dodgers, I spoke to him about Shohei. I said, you've talked to Shohei Otani, you know, off camera. I said, do you think he would like to do more media? And he said, I think he would like it and I think he would enjoy it. So, you know, it's just, I spent 45 minutes with his agent last year talking about, let's put together a story. Let's put something fun together for Shohei. And it, we went round and round and round and round. And I, I honestly, it is the strangest thing in the world. And I think that he's doing a disservice to his client. Do you think the, the agent is concerned about like any kind of language barrier, maybe? You know what? I, I mean, some people have said that and they've asked that, but I can tell you that I've interviewed so many Japanese players with their interpreters sitting there and most of them know what you're saying anyway. They're, they're just, they don't speak English that well, but honestly, I, I think that that is an excuse because he's got Ipe, who's a great interpreter and it would be absolutely no problem to speak to him. Just like we do with any, the Korean players, with the Spanish players, you know, it's not a problem to use an interpreter to speak to them. Let's talk about the you know the trade deadline this year though. Speaking of Shohei, um, mm-hmm. Angels got a lot of flack for keeping him. I mean, yep. why did they keep him? Because now they're going to get obviously nothing out of him because he's a free agent. He's just going to leave to go yep. to whatever team he wants to. So, what was the decision to to keep him? Uh, you know, at the trade deadline. You know, once again, we all made stories up because it was like, okay, on one hand, do you want to be the general manager who let Shohei Otani go for some players that may or may not work out? Um, Or do you want to try to keep him and then retain him because you still have Mike Trout there? You've got a lot of young players. But was even stranger was that they keep him. They bring in a whole bunch of guys in September And then they let them go. And so there is just such disarray right now with what's going on with the Los Angeles Angels. And, you know, they always start out really well in, you know, spring training is good and April and May looks good. But, you know, you come August and September and you're throwing your hands up like what is going on? I mean, Mike Trout with that strange ham bone injury. And, of course, we've seen rumors about trying to trade Mike Trout. And I feel so bad for him because the best years of his career are done. And, you know, he's got a few more left. And, you know, does he stay with the Angels? He's got that huge contract. Do they really try to deal him? And then with Shohei, okay, so he won't pitch next year but he can still be a very effective hitter as we've seen. So does Artie Moreno try to retain Shohei and then maybe try to sell his team? I mean, at this point, because let's face it, it's, it's, you can't win with two players, even if they're two of the best players in the game. So you've got to really rebuild this team somehow, or does Shohei just say, I had enough and I'm out of here. I mean, I don't think he's going to, I don't think his, his new deal is going to start in the sevens. Like maybe it would have, if he hadn't gotten the injury, but at this point, 
what do the Angels do? If, they, if Think about this for a second, guys. They lose Shohei and they lose Mike Trout. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be a ghost town. Yeah, you can do a lot. Like you said, he doesn't speak a lot. Doesn't you know the agent doesn't allow him to really speak. A lot of speculation can come out of that. I mean, there's two ways you can really look. You can look at it like you kind of made the point. Maybe the owner of the Angels is just kind of milking him for as much as he can, and then he's just gonna leave a dumpster fire at the end of the year when all, when it's all said and done. Uh, who knows? He, they also, I mean, Angels were in uh, wild card contention at the trade deadline. They were 56 and 52 at the trade deadline. Definitely could have made yeah. the wild card. So you could also speculate that, hey, maybe they wanted to keep him around and say to show him like, hey, we, we can still go to the playoffs. Like this is actually not a bad team. Like stay around next year. See, you, you can see what we can do. You know, maybe they were hoping they would make the playoffs on a wild card, get hot, make a deep run. And then that would end up changing his mind to maybe leave at the end of the year it's all speculation and yeah we don't know angels are hmm? definitely one of the weirdest teams in mlb right now uh biggest question mark uh in the mlb too probably you can maybe argue too going in the next year i think you're right i mean you, you know there's also been rumors a lot of the japanese media will tell us that he loves it in anaheim and maybe he stays there one more year on a one-year deal then when he's ready to pitch, maybe he goes out and gets his big deal. I don't know. But it is going to be one of the most fascinating stories going into next season for sure. Well, Maria, this has been awesome. We really appreciate your time once again. Recurring guest. Been on twice now. It's the third time. So this is always great. Always great talking L.A. sports with you. Thank you. It's always fun to be with you guys for sure. Any last minute Clippers, Lakers, uh, anything you want to throw in? I mean, on our way out here, just any preview for the teams? <laughs> Clippers Lakers, you got you got to give me five minutes to go over the Clippers Lakers. Oh my gosh! Well, I'll tell you what, we'll come back and do Clippers Lakers because there's a lot to un uh, unpackage there. Okay. Yeah, I know it's the off season right now. We we weren't really planning on talking about it, so no, I I agree. Let's let's have you back on when the NBA starts preseason. Only what a week away, I think. At this point, it's kind of I know NHL. I think starts tonight. <laughs> the Kings, right? It's it's closer. Yeah, it's I think training camp. I think media day is actually next week. Yep, Kings are starting up. And by the way, I can tell you guys that that the uh, the arena that the Clippers are building. Oh my gosh, it's next to SoFi, and I think they're going to be in there next year, not for this season, but next season. And, it is, they are getting that up fast. So that's going to be really exciting for the Clippers too because, you know, they'll have their own arena. They're not playing in the Lakers' shadow anymore. So I think that's going to be great. But no, like I said, Mira, we'll definitely have you on again when that time comes. Uh, it's always a fun time. Thanks for coming on again. Anytime, guys. Always a pleasure to be with you. That interview was brought to you by Philly Drinkers. The Continental Sports Podcast has partnered with Philly Drinkers, the go-to place for the greatest sports clothing that you can get your hands on. They specialize in partying hard and looking great while doing it. Owned and operated by diehard sports fans, they don't just love sports, they love what sports stand for. Most importantly, they understand that you always want to rep your favorite team anywhere you go, whether it be a sporting event or grabbing a couple of drinks with the guys. Their apparel and products always have unique designs and slogans, all while bringing out great vibes. Head to phillydrinkers.com today and get your one-of-a-kind merchandise. Philly Drinkers, always party. Okay, let's finish the show with off the map and long hauls of the week. Justin, we'll start with you. Who's your off the map of the week? My off the map of the week is Jordan Love. Very competent quarterback in Green Bay. And I think Green Bay is going to be a more competent team with Jordan Love at quarterback this year 
than everybody was saying. So I think the Packers might contend for a playoff spot here in the NFC North, maybe even the division. Let's not go there yet, but I think they have a shot. My off the map is Kareem Hunt visiting the Browns for a possible Nick Chubb replacement. Um, yeah, I, I don't think many, I didn't really see many people talking about this. I think it's very interesting. I love the move. I think Kareem Hunt to the Browns to replace Nick Chubb would be something very, very needed, especially with Deshaun Watson and how he's playing. Hunt could be a major asset to the Browns. Uh, and then, yeah, it's something that they desperately need. Like I said, they, they really haven't looked great. They, they beat a Cincinnati team that in week one that played terribly. And then uh, they obviously looked very, very bad, especially offensively on Monday Night Football. So, yeah, love the move. And, uh, yeah, hopefully they can get that deal done for, uh, for Nick Chubb replacement. Zach, use your off the map of the week. My off the map of the week, Damian Lillard, apparently going to be back in Portland. Everybody talked about him going to Miami and, you know, Miami only, but no trade has been made there. And it sounds like Damian Lillard continues to want to finish his career in Portland. So he's kind of reversed course there. And he's even said, I would rather finish my career with no rings than go to a place like Golden State and just kind of hop on and win a couple of championships just for championship's sake. So the long term, as far as Damian Lillard and his uh, loyalty, that appears to be back. And it was a story that I think everybody kind of anticipated that he would be traded to the Heat at this point, but then it kind of got out of the rearview mirror because NFL season's here. But Damian Lillard apparently going back to Portland, at least for now. We'll see what happens at the trade deadline, but he's all in on the Blazers for the moment. Let's move to long hauls of the week. Justin, who's your long haul of the week? My long haul of the week is the quarterback play so far in week um, so far in week one and week two of this young NFL season. Uh, I would say that, yeah, no preseason play systems, new systems for some quarterbacks. But, um, but yeah, I think some quarterbacks have rebounded from week one on to week two. But it's only the first two weeks. I think the quarter, I think the best of the best will play fine. And I think the worst of the worst will obviously be the worst of the worst with the quarterback. So um, I think that's going to be, I, I think that's just the first two weeks of the season, probably the first four weeks of the season, but let's not be too, let's not be too quick to judge the team season and the way they're, the way the quarterbacks are playing, where the franchise quarterbacks are playing yeah. with this young NFL season so far. Still, still too early to tell for sure. My long haul of the week, Henry Blackburn, uh, he, people know him as he's the Colorado safety that or Colorado state safety, excuse me, that had the dirty hit on Travis Hunter. Definitely a dirty hit. Should not have should not have done that, uh, especially, you know, Travis Hunter now lacerated kidney probably won't play for another five weeks. I know Colorado has four more games and then bye week. So he probably won't even come back till after that after that week off. Um, definitely a dirty hit, but. People taking it too far. Uh, his address was leaked on social media. His address was leaked online. He's been getting death threats. His family's been getting death threats. Uh, that's just too much, uh, way, way too much. Definitely a dirty hit. Definitely should be upset by him for what he did. But to, uh, to leak someone's address like that, and then especially to go that extra mile and uh, give these dirt, uh, these death threats to him and his family, that's, a, yeah, that's definitely my long haul of the week. Mm-hmm. Zach, who's your long haul of the week? My long haul of the week, and we've discussed this before, I think there's going to come a point where Shohei Otani is just a hitter. And we've, we're going to see it next year. He's not going to pitch in 2024. 
He's going to pitch in 2025, or at least that's the plan. But he is going to be a hitter next year due to his UCL injury. And I think he's going to end up going in the direction where he's going to realize that pitching puts so much stress on his right elbow and his right arm that it's not going to be a long-term sustainable thing for him. Remember, Babe Ruth was a pitcher and a hitter, and then Babe Ruth realized, you know what, where do people make money? By hitting. You know, he became more of a story for hitting home runs than he ever did by – uh, winning games as a pitcher. It's a little bit different nowadays, but the stress on the body is just going to be so much for Shohei Otani. I think he's eventually just going to be a hitter in a couple of years. So I think next year is going to be an experiment. He's not going to be able to pitch. We'll see how he does as just a hitter. And then come 2025, he may realize it's in his best interest not to pitch anymore. So watch out for that. Movie. Yeah, it's a, we talked about before. It's amazing that he's been able to even continue on both sides of the ball to this point. Uh, just, it, just modern medicine has come such a long way that it's something that would not have even been possible, you know, years ago. So, yeah, I, I agree. We talked about it at length before. Uh, great show, guys. Um, next week, a lot of stuff going on. Sports Equinox coming around the corner, and we're, uh, we'll be there to cover it all. So uh, until next week, though, keep on traveling, and we'll see you then.